0: Ladies and gentlemen, what you're about to listen to is an experiment in sound. Call it treating your ear. What you gonna play now? Bobby? I don't know. But whatever I play, it's got to be funky.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Madcap. I'm Daniel Bloom.
0: One, two, three, make it funky!
1: This Saturday, our beautiful hometown of Washington, D.C., will host an event, the likes of which we've never before seen in this city. It's called Funk Parade, and dozens of performers will be taking to V Street and the surrounding neighborhoods to celebrate life, music, and culture as only we can do. Also encompassing Funk Parade is a music festival taking place at multiple venues along the U Street Corridor, including U Street Music Hall and Tropicalia, and all these events, my friends, are free. Our first guest today is the organizer and
2: dream-maker of Funk Parade, Justin Rude. The Prime Minister of the DC Department of Funk.
1: Wednesday was a rainy day in our nation's capital. And although we planned to take a walking tour of the parade route with Justin, we had to settle for a ride in my co-host David's CRV instead. That's the certified recording vehicle for the uninitiated.
2: My name is Justin Rude. I'm one of the co-founders of the Funk Parade, which is a -a one-of-a-kind event taking place in the U Street neighborhood of Washington, D.C. this Saturday, May 3rd. Uh, What is your funk name? (laughs) Uh, The closest I've come to a funk name is uh, Captain Fly, who's a funk dj on local radio station WPFW, declared that I was the Prime Minister of the DC Department of Funk. The Prime Minister? That's an amazing title. The Prime Minister. Uh,
1: I'll take that. We're we're very glad to be uh, in the presence of a dignitary such as yourself. Well, I, you know, my life is service, so... (laughs) Did you go on to the uh, vaunted airways of WPFW, Jazz and Justice Radio, to promote the Funk Parade?
2: Yes, we did. WPFW is actually a proud uh, sponsor and media partner with us for the event. They've been fantastic, and they will be there a day of some of your favorite personalities. Such as? Such as Captain Fly and James Funk.
1: I mean, it doesn't get much better than that in terms of uh, radio in D.C., except for us, of course.
2: <laughs> That's right. Well, they've been bringing it, I think, a little bit longer, judging by your uh, age. They have been, absolutely.
1: Now, we are speaking to you, Mr. Rood, uh, Mr. Prime Minister, amid a rainstorm. And we are hoping that the weather is going to be much better for the funk parade on Saturday than it is right now. What's the forecast looking like?
2: Well, i got to say we've been keeping an eagle eye on the weather, and... Uh, they've been saying that it's gonna be sunny and 70 degrees on Saturday and it doesn't look like it's changing so I think we've got a a beautiful day coming up for us. That is gonna be key and we will be doing the anti rain dance as much as we possibly can. Yes exactly every morning every evening that's exactly what I do.
1: Wear your pajamas inside out I guess that's that maybe is a good tactic. Um, I'm gonna ask you uh, two questions and I want you to just
2: give the first answer that comes to your mind. By day I am a... A nice guy. <laughs> I'm a nice guy by day. <laughs> by night. <laughs> I am a... Uh, an even nicer guy.
3: The man of the hour has an air of great power. The dudes have envied him for so long. Oh, see. So
2: brilliant answer. (laughs) Very tactful. I, uh, (laughs) no, uh, by night I I organize funk parades. Is this your first time
1: doing an event like this?
2: This is, yeah, well, this is the first time for an event like this, I think, at least in the city, since I've been here for a few decades. And, um, uh, yeah, and it's the first uh, major event like this. For me, my partner uh, and co-founder, Chris Naum, um, has been doing large-scale events like this for for some time, uh, music events. Um, and so he's brought us a lot of really wonderful expertise to bear and the city of course is good to work with and they know How these things run so It's taken a lot of work, but it's coming together really nicely How'd you come up with the idea to have this funk Parade? I heard that you came up with this idea in a dream. Is that the case? It was a dream. It was a dream uh,
4: Martin had a dream Martin had a dream Kendrick have a dream
2: Yeah, I uh, I went to sleep one night and I had this dream and there was uh, a parade. Uh, It was a parade of neighbors and drummers. a a, a local high school marching band was in it. The Bantala women drummers uh, were in it, and uh, it came down U Street. It wrapped around the neighborhood, and as it went through the neighborhood, uh, neighbors came out of their uh, houses, brought their kids along, and joined the parade. It came back around to U Street where it stopped, and then there was this kind of evening of celebration. And uh, so yeah, so I woke up and it it was it was just this fantastic thing to see and be a part of, and so I would describe it to people. It's the kind of dream you like. You're like, I had this amazing dream, and everybody who I described it to was like, well, that's, I mean, that's got to happen. Like that sounds that sounds fantastic. So how did you hook up with your partner, Chris Nome? Um, it turns out there aren't a whole lot of people in the world who know how to throw a funk parade, so I uh, I talked to people and they talked to people and I. Kept reaching out until somebody said, You know, there's this guy, Chris. He's really involved in local music. He runs this fantastic organization called Listen Local First, which helps promote local music and uh, tries to encourage people around DC to listen to, to local DC bands. Um, and uh, he'd worked on events like this before. He got super excited about the idea, really saw how it resonated with the real kind of the spirit of the city, um, and, a, and a spirit that a lot of people are worried that we're losing. Um, and the city's changing in a lot of ways, and in a lot of good ways. Um, but, um, but we're losing part of what made it such a unique place and such a vibrant place.
3: So, logistically, paperwork and everything, how does one plan a parade?
2: <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it starts off with, you submit a letter. It's called a letter of intent to the city. And you say, dear city, I'm, I want to do this event. And uh, then you come in uh, and you meet with uh, the biggest conference table I've ever seen. Probably three dozen people sitting around from every agency you could imagine. Really? Yep. And you present your idea and you've got everybody's there. And everybody sits around and tells you exactly what you're doing wrong. helpful. It's good to get it all out of the way. You know, it's kind of a murder board, but it's good. What were you doing wrong? And <laughs> oh boy! Come on. Well, the first thing is we wanted to do it on U Street, and they were not. They were not in support of that. And I tell you what, we. I had looked at uh, traffic survey maps going back 15 or 20 years to try to make the argument that you know, the traffic volume it, uh, on the street uh, you know, justified being able to close it down, traffic on other streets that they close down in the city like H Street or Pennsylvania Avenue have higher traffic. Um, there are also evacuation routes and U Street's not an evacuation route, but I think most importantly is the history of public celebration and parades and processions on U Street uh, goes back further than almost anyone, uh, any other part of this town except for Pennsylvania Avenue, Um, and certainly for local parades. You can look as recently as uh, when they celebrate Ben's Chili Bowl. They shut the streets down for their uh, annual um, anniversaries for the Metro when they opened up the Metro Station in 1997. They shut the streets down. Martin Luther King Jr. led a march down U Street for D.C. home rule, of all things. And uh, Marion Barry uh, had his first inaugural parade down U Street, and uh, going back 40, 50, 60 years, they had parades. You know, every month, every week down U Street. So the idea that somehow U Street cannot support a public event is, I think, fiercely disproven by all of history. Wow, wow. <laughs> so, I'm I, as you can tell, I don't really have an opinion on the matter. <laughs> But you're, you're close by. I mean, they gave you V Street, that's so... It, right. That's right. No, they did. And so we're having the parade through V Street. And that actually is nice because a big part of the vision was that it, it included the neighborhood. It wasn't simply down the main drag. And um, I think that's going to be a whole lot of fun. So
3: I want to know, what is it about funk
1: that really connects with you? Yeah, because this could have been like the Soul Parade, Soul Train. Celtic music. <laughs> Morris
0: dancing.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: you, you could go
3: way. I had way. this
2: dream for a Celtic parade. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds like my life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, you know, honestly, I can't really speak to where the dream came from. Um, I do know that uh, what kind of became clear in watching everything kind of unfold was that there was something in the spirit of the music, uh, in, not only in the dream but throughout the neighborhood, that's connected. Um, and I'm talking about the Ethiopian music you're going to hear at Dukem. Um, the jazz you hear at Twins or Bohemian Caverns, um, the kind of world beat stuff that you'll hear at Tropicalia, uh, you know, even some of the electronic music you'll hear on, uh, at U Street Music Hall, and these guys, all of it is music that makes you want to get up and dance and be around people and feel like the world's alright. And not all music is like that, but that's a common theme that you hear. And when you, when you extend the kind of your vision of the neighborhood out to Meridian Hill on the west side and you think of the Meridian Hill drum circle, and you think about um, Howard University and the marching band they've got and their homecoming parade, um, and the United House of Prayer parade. They do this phenomenal. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this on Memorial Day. They have this parade with brass band after brass band, with some of the best music, most wonderful music you've ever heard. There's a rhythm and there's a spirit in this neighborhood that's that's here and alive now and has been here for many many years, um, and we're just kind of the ones who are here at the moment carrying it along. And this event was something that was supposed to kind of capture that and bring it to life and show it to people
3: best funk show you've seen in your lifetime.
2: Oh man. Oh, that's tough. Um, I'm thinking most recently I went to go see Alike at the Black Cat, and that was a whole lot of fun. They're a great band, and they're playing.
3: Let <laughs>
2: your favorite funk act of all time oh boy well I don't know I don't know you know you're always gonna make somebody mad we've got our we've got our old school guys who you know who love the Parliament and so you know you can't you can't say you don't like Parliament but um, and i and I'm a big fan
4: oh what's happening CC they still call it the White House but that's a temporary condition too can you dig it CC
1: to each is reach, and if I don't copy, it ain't mine to have. But I'll be reaching for you, because I love you, CC. The first concert I ever attended without my parents there was P-Funk All-Stars. 930 Club, 9th grade. I will never forget it.
4: There's a lot of chocolate cities
0: uh, around. We've got Newark, we've got Gary. Somebody told me we got L.A. Yeah. And we're working on Atlanta. But
1: you're the capital, city. How'd you get there? Uh, we were dropped off by my by my friend's parents and nice. was like, go go ahead, kids, have fun. And my my mind was subsequently blown. <laughs> so this event uh, rings very close to my heart, and I appreciate what you've done. I also like the fact that it is being held on none other than James Brown's birthday.
2: That's right. Very nice synchronicity there. No, it's really amazing. And it's one of these things that all these little kind of, you know, we like to think see them as signs that, that we're doing the right thing. Because we didn't realize that when we when we planned the date.
0: I got ass in my pants and I need to dance. Come on down. Got in my pants and I need to dance. So big fine mama come give me a chance
2: uh we thought that may was a good time there's a lot of good music going on right now and you've got you know the jazz fest going on and um, a lot of other good events in other cities and uh it's the city's birthday the city's uh uh the 211th anniversary of its incorporation and then one day we're like well let's see what else is on may 3rd and it said James Brown's birthday and we're like what ah! uh.
0: Come on, bring
2: up! So, all right, that's good. That was a good thing we thought. That's jaw-dropping. That's yeah, no. It's like okay, we're definitely we're onto something here. We've tapped into a deep vein of symbolism. This is Madcap, and we're taking a ride along the Funk
1: Parade route with Justin Rood. He's the planner, organizer, and dreamer who made this all possible.
3: How difficult was it getting the music venues to be down for any of this?
2: That's a really good question, and we actually thought that that was going to be the hardest part. And so. You know, after Chris and I kind of met and talked and he kind of got the, he got the vision too, just like, you know, so many other people. We were like, well, the hardest thing is getting these venues on board because they, they do their own thing. They book their acts months in advance. They've got their own idea of who their crowd is. So we're like, well, look, let's start with them. If they think it's a dumb idea, you know, we'll move on. We'll figure something else out. So we went to them and they were supportive. They were, and some were wildly so. Um... The gentleman Amon who runs um, Tropicalia and also Local 16 was absolutely on fire for this and thought it was a totally great idea. Uh, U Street Music Hall was super supportive. Sollys came on board and was like, you know, not only is this great, not only do I love this, but it's good for the neighborhood. So that was actually the first step that we thought this is actually going to come together was from the venues. I mean, this is one of my favorite neighborhoods. It
1: is my favorite neighborhood in the city uh, to go hear music. It's my favorite city to go enjoy nightlife. So I mean this is just a slam dunk as far as I'm concerned. I mean U Street Music Hall in Tropicalia alone, the kind of quality and diversity of acts that they bring to this neighborhood is really tremendous. So
2: I applaud you for being able to bring those two uh venues online. Oh thanks. No, it's really people don't really realize it, but we've got over two dozen live music venues just in this neighborhood. You can go out on any night of the week. I promise you there is a show. I will bet you it you know, if there's a cover it's five or ten bucks, you're gonna hear some great live music and there's not a night that you're going to go down there and not be able to find a band that you're going to love. Was it like this when you first got here? You know what it was. And you don't realize it. You know, I moved to the neighborhood about 6 years ago, and I knew that there was music and we everybody knew the Black Cat and everybody knew 930, you know, and everybody at that point we didn't have the Howard Theater, but you know, it came online a few years later. But it wasn't until I hung out long enough and started realizing all these all these venues were there. Uh, U-Haul came in, Tropicalia came in, and one day I was walking down the street and I, re- I just started counting. I decided one Saturday I was going to start at 14th Street and just go east. And I came up with 25 before I stopped counting. Um, so, yeah, it's, just, it's a phenomenally rich neighborhood, and there is no other neighborhood in D.C. like that. I don't know, honestly, if there's ever been a neighborhood in D.C. that had that density of live music per square foot. When did you get to town at all in the first place? 1973. I uh, came to town via the Columbia Hospital for Women. I was born there. So was I. Is that right? Absolutely. It no longer stands. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, luckily, we're still around though. Yeah, I'll take that. Absolutely. So you're a local. That's right. That's right. And you are too, huh? Yeah. So was he. Yes. Oh both. wow. Oh nice. A Silver car full of locals. Silver Spring.
1: Yeah. Silver Spring
3: and TP, the Republic. I'm that's
2: Tacoma awesome. Park. He's Silver
1: Spring. But oh, I'm
2: Tacoma Park too. So I was born in DC, and then when I was five. We moved out just over the line of Tacoma Park, and that's where I grew up. So, you're giving back to your hometown in this way. That must feel good. It does. It does. It does. No, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I gotta make a
1: In addition to all the music that's going down, obviously a, a, an event called the Funk Parade is going to be, you know, replete with music. But there's also, one thing I love about it is you're not shutting down the Farmer's Market.
2: That's right, that's right. The Farmer's Market is entirely a part of this.
1: And that that's funky as far as I'm concerned. A little Deep, funk. Deeply funky, absolutely. And there's also going to be a Funk
2: Flea Market as well? That's well, too. There's District Flea is uh, is uh, is getting funkified uh, with uh <laughs> your mom and them jazz and a couple other acts and um, they're going to I think they're going to have actually a, an outdoor beer garden which is the only the only place that I know of that can pull that off in the neighborhood Uh, U Street Flea uh, is also going to have, they're going to have the Brass Connection, which is, if you've ever gone downtown and seen this uh, group of guys playing brass music around like Gallery Place or DuPont. I have. Yeah, I've seen them at the arena. Yeah, they're They're a great show. They're great musicians. And so they're going to be camped out there. So we've also got um, the performance aspect of this, the dancers that we've got are absolutely amazing. Um, There's a great group called Urban Artistry and they'll be performing. They're they're break dancing. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and all sorts of urban dance. Um, They did the, uh, if you go to funkparade.com, you'll see there's a video that we did many months ago, and they, uh, they're they the dancers in that. They're did, One of those guys in my high school, he, Russell, do you know Russell? Is that
3: right? Oh yeah, he's great! Man, I we always had the, we, I always remember having to walk around some circle because Russell was breakdancing in the middle of the hallway. <laughs> so in fact, the fact that he's actually doing a living for this, now, or, you know what I'm saying, has prospered off of this makes me so proud because, I mean, he's been doing this forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's good, it's
2: good. Those guys are so good. Yeah.
1: So how many different areas will be hosting performances Along and around the
2: parade route. So there's the you've got the day fair before the parade, and then you've got the music festival after. And all told, there's about I want to say about 20 performance areas and venues that are going to be hosting music and dance. 20? That's massive. 20. There's uh, there's 36 musical acts. There's 14 DJs. There's I think 12 different dance groups and performance groups. Um, yeah, and that doesn't include the flash mobs and the street performers and you know the balloons and zebras. I don't know if there's zebras yet, but we'll see. Live <laughs> zebras or referees? What are we talking about here? <laughs> Crosswalks? That's right. Who knows?
1: It's all free, right?
2: It's, well, A, it's all free, and B, that's just what we have planned. So you have no idea who's showing up and who's going to do what. So I don't know what you're going to wind up seeing on the street corners. I assume the food trucks will be in attendance or trying
3: to. Will they?
2: Um, I don't know. That's a great question. That's a great question. They'd certainly be welcome because we're not really offering a whole lot of food as part of the day fair. Of course, there's so many great restaurants and bars in that neighborhood that I'm sure are going to be open and offering all kinds of specials and stuff.
1: Now, one act that you mentioned playing this festival is Alike, right? that's right uh-huh can you give us some other highlights? there's no way you're gonna be able to to rattle off every artist who's playing because there's I looked at the list and it's expansive but could you just give us a couple of highlights that you think are
2: particularly special absolutely well obviously we've got uh, experience unlimited uh, EU with Sugar Bear is gonna be headlining at U Street Music Hall and the music festival Kamala Diabate um, from Mali, who's headlining at Tropicalia. He's playing with a couple great bands. During the day, the funk arc is playing a free show uh, that I'm super excited about. And uh, then you've got Alike playing with Black Masala. A couple things, kind of like things to watch out for. On Friday night, uh, Black Masala is going to be backing up a really fantastic old school sold singer named Joe Quarterman, who's kind of a DC phenomenon. On um, some of the songs that he recorded, you know, 40 years ago, and that's going to be a great show. That's at the African American Civil War Memorial today at six, and then on Saturday, also at the memorial, there's a, a group called the DC Legendary Musicians, uh, and it's a group of some great, great musicians um, from the from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, uh, and they get together and play some of their old songs, and it's just great. And in terms of maintaining kind of a continuity between what they're doing. And then what you hear from like kind of new bands coming out, like Funk Arc or the Fort Knox Five or folks like that, with kind of like the the new school DC funk. It's just wonderful to have everybody kind of under one big tent, you know, in one event. I love the Fort Knox Five. Great stuff. They did our theme song. Really? Yeah. The, uh, How to start a band with Ian Spanonius? Yeah, that's that's the theme song for this year.
5: Yeah.
0: Start a band Anybody can Go on only-
2: 36 bands total. Okay, well, all right. <laughs> have you ever heard of the Love Parade in Germany? Uh, I have heard of it. Yeah, I don't know a whole
1: lot about it. Well, that was the first thing that I thought of when I heard about the Funk Parade was like, wow, I'm so excited that Love Parade is all about electronic dance music and it's DJs on these gigantic kind of floats that go by one after the other and they have like a big party in the streets. Um, but for us to have our own kind of version of this, that reflects the character of our city. I, I just think it's phenomenal, and I, I, I suppose I shouldn't assume, but if
2: this goes well, uh, are you planning on having another one? Oh, we'd very much like to see this be an annual thing. Um, but I think it, you know that's up to the community. The only way this this got off the ground for this year was because there was so much support, again, from the local businesses and local community groups and civic leaders. So, you know, if they if they have a good time and they want to come back and do it all again, I think I think we're game. Will the politicians be present? (laughs) I don't know how you keep them away. (laughs) And it is an election year. Uh, But they seem like they're pretty nice people, so we'll let them stick around. Any confirmations yet? (laughs) Uh, I know that we'll have a number of folks uh, who are running. I know Mark Morgan, uh, who's running for at-large, is going to be there. Uh, I suspect you'll probably see... Council member Graham, who's played a big role in helping get this together and, and work its way through the city.
3: You know Vincent Orange is going to be there doing the moonwalk. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't worried about that. <laughs> Are you going to invite some of your old uh secondary school classmates <laughs> let them know, know if anybody was talking shit back in the day like i'm planning a parade that's like, right that's right look at that i got a parade <laughs> but no it
2: uh i it's funny because i've posted stuff to facebook about it obviously letting folks know about you know what's going on and how it's been developing and uh, a bunch of a bunch of my friends who i grew up with who all live all over the all over the country and all the all over the world have been real kind and saying oh that's amazing i wish we could be there you know Tacoma park is going to be in the house
3: Tacoma going to oh be yeah a building oh park. yeah wow.
2: Big big you know, big contention from Tacoma Park, I would expect. I was actually out there just the other weekend in uh in one of the one of the restaurants and they were like, I had a poster, I was, I figured if I'm out there I might as well put up a poster. And they're like, Oh funk parade, oh yeah, we're all we got a group we're all going down there, it's gonna be great. <laughs> Which restaurant? So uh Republic. Oh the new one. Yeah, yeah.
1: Excellent. Well, I, you know, as a Tacoma Parkie and myself, I will speak for the spirit of my hometown and yours as well, and say, "Good job, by a local boy."
2: Well done. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. It's, you know, I mean, this is this is going to come together because there's literally hundreds of people involved. You know, not just playing the instruments, but programming the stages. You know, getting all the equipment together. All the dancers who are donating so much of their time and amazing moves that I wish I had. Um, so uh, it's really this is not this is never one thing that anyone or even a small group of people could do. Could you uh, could
3: you again uh, plug the event and also and also the social media and all and like where else? Where oh yeah, can absolutely. Learn
2: about it. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. Funk Parade is a one of a kind day fair, participatory parade and music festival in the U Street neighborhood on Saturday, May third. To learn more about Funk Parade, you can go to funkparade.com. You can find us on Facebook at the Funk Parade and on Twitter, at Funk Parade.
1: Special thanks to Justin Rude for being a visionary, a creative, and a damn good organizer for putting together our first annual Funk Parade. Events will stretch from 12 noon until late into the night around the U Street Corridor. For more information, visit funkparade.com or find them on Funk Parade on Twitter and The Funk Parade on Facebook. What are you going to wear?
2: You know what, that is the hardest question of all. (laughs) And you're not the first person to ask me, and I'll tell you what, and I'm surprised nobody's tried to do the style like, so what do you wear to a Funk Parade? I don't know. I'm really excited to find out what people wear. I'm going to be wearing a smile. <laughs> That's nothing and, and nothing else. <laughs> and, no, and nothing else. That's
1: all one can ask for. If you can't come up with anything else, may I rec- uh, recommend the Blues Brothers look with some <laughs> black Ray-Bans, a black fedora, and a black suit with, uh, with a white shirt and a black tie. That'd be super funky. Uh, we're on a mission from God. Justin Rube, we thank you very much for being on Madcap. Thank you guys so much. This is a whole lot of fun. Let's do it next week. (laughs) Thanks to our trusted intern, Marquise Goodwin, who took the wheel for this conversation. Up next, David Ross and I take a look back at our phenomenal four-day sojourn to the Blue Ridge Mountain town of Asheville, North Carolina, and the world-class festival called Fest.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, this is Madcap. I'm David Ross. And
1: I'm Daniel Bloom. And you are listening to our Instant Reaction MoogFest 2014 wrap-up show.
3: I am Adeline, and I am the lead singer and bass player of the band Escort.
1: It's going to be hot, trust me. I know, you guys
5: are hot, everything's hot. I am DC, and I'm Hooks,
0: and we're Zeds Dead, and we're at Moogfest in Asheville. Shut up, Madcap. Yo, this is the Egyptian Lover.
4: You're checking out Madcap right here, right now, baby, baby, baby.
1: This song is of course Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins from the Top Gun soundtrack, produced by Giorgio Moroder, one of the keynote speakers and star performers at this year's Moog Fest. We are back in the friendly confines of Washington, D.C. Nation's capital. Indeed, so the so-called most powerful city in the world. Lies. And we certainly enjoyed the hell out of ourselves in the cozy mountain retreat known as Asheville, North Carolina, did we not? <laughs> It was beautiful, it was love at first sight. What we did was, we, uh, we got together, David, uh, my lovely girlfriend Maya, and myself, and we piled into my Toyota Corolla, trusty steed we headed down route 66 we almost had an accident
0: oh my god
1: (laughs) we almost had an accident i forgot about that the quick thinking jeff gordon-esque reflexes of mr david ross saved our grits thank you thank you this guy uh what happened was a grate fell off a metal grate fell off of a car that was heading in front of us and david slowed down uh, which was a move he thought was going to end all of our lives, but turned out to be exactly the right move. Slowed down and went over this grate in a very calm and careful way. Did not puncture the tires or injure the car in any way.
3: And shout out to the motorcycle who avoided hitting us because that motor- it had the motorcycle just been new on
1: that bike. Mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> that would have been a collision. Absolutely. Big ups to the motorcyclist who I believe was wearing neon green. One last thing, big ups to the Mountain View restaurant. You think I wasn't going to get to this? <laughs> okay, just making sure. We hop on I-81 southbound, which is a beautifully scenic drive. We get off for gas and to stretch our legs a bit. And I looked on Yelp because it's a wonderful resource to decide uh, what is in your general area that you may have missed otherwise. And suddenly I'm seeing all these great reviews for this tiny restaurant. We were considering going to one of your everyday fast food joints and yes. I was like you know what this is a tiny little restaurant called the Mountain View Inn people are raving about this and
3: I was a skeptic harsh
1: you were very non you were a serious non-believer I thought it was just like the Annie Bell himself yeah the diner <laughs> that's what I expected and you know I was like you know if this doesn't look right if we're getting the wrong vibes in here we can totally leave but trips like this are very much about adventure and kind of stepping out into situations that you're not necessarily sure how they're gonna work out but we sat one foot in this place, and we were like, this is the place for us. Yes. First of all, it's completely empty, mm-hmm. besides three of us. Mm-hmm. The service was incredibly friendly and, yes. and very prompt, and there were refills, too many refills of the delicious fountain sodas. Yes, and what did you have? Uh, I had a turkey sandwich. I had a patty melt, my first patty melt. Delicious. It was amazing. Uh, we had lots of sodas, and we had some coconut custard pie yes. on the way out of there run by I believe it was a Chinese couple
3: yes yes a Chinese couple who when you the second on the way back there was an Asian woman with some I guess a group of white people <laughs> it was a group of white people and he asked her and he said where are you from uh, and she said China he's like he's like he's like no he's like no what province and, and she tells him he's he like that's why you're so short then he walks away <laughs> that's exactly what
5: happened <laughs>
1: I love that I, I love how much of a 180 you took on this place you could not have been more skeptical at the beginning and now you're shouting this place out from the rooftops you're up Optimism had complete. Uh, I, I was in full, uh, full approval mode for that. Let that be a lesson to you. Follow, <laughs> follow the optimism of Daniel Bloom, and good things will happen. All right, Asheville. So, so we head on down to Asheville, and we will give a special shout out right now to where we stayed, the Downtown Inn and Suites. We uh, we went and checked in, got our media passes. We were very grateful and happy to do that. And then we checked into our hotel, which was. Pretty basic, but it was clean, and it was very affordable, and most importantly, centrally located. Absolutely. We pulled into this parking lot on Thursday afternoon, and we did not have to set foot in that car again until Sunday as we left. It, that, that that was the amazing part. It was everything Everything we needed
3: to get to was in walking distance. That's...
1: And what's funny is, when we first started walking around the town, you had remarked that, By the time this festival is over, we're going to know every corner of this town. We're going to know how to get everywhere. We're going to kind of know the lay of the land. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. It was pretty cool. It was like, oh, we got to go down College Avenue. We need to go find Biltmore Street or Broadway, which turns into the same street, by the way. (laughs) And Lexington screws things up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Asheville is a lovely town. Um, We were told by the great Emmy Parker of Moog Music that they had a lot of craft breweries, and we were very pleased to discover the truth of that statement. Great food, great beer, friendly people, uh, a lot of different interesting venues, mm-hmm. a lot of hippies walking around. Absolutely. A lot of lost kids walking <laughs> around with dogs. Hom- homeless kids with dogs. A lot of skinny dogs. <laughs> a lot of malnourished. Very, <laughs> very, very interesting characters all over that town. But uh, the vibe was completely on point the entire time. And the very first show that we went to go see was at the U.S. Cellular Center, Kraftwerk. mm mm-hmm. My God, I had been privileged enough to see Kraftwerk at the 930 Club here in beautiful Washington, D.C., and they made a huge impression on me. But getting a chance to see them again in Asheville, I kind of knew more what to expect, but it didn't diminish from the experience at all. In fact, it kind of enhanced it. Was that your first time in D.C. seeing them? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I And I kind of bought tickets on a whim mm-hmm. because I had known about Kraftwerk and I had heard about their how important they were in the history of electronic music. But seeing that experience, I mean, DC was a great show too, but it was a smaller venue than the U.S. Cellular Center, and we, we were standing. Yeah. This venue was seated. Mm-hmm. So it was like watching a movie almost. Seated with eyewear. Yes, of course. The 3D glasses and the 3D visuals made a huge effect and impact on what a great time it was. So now I'm utterly obsessed with Kraftwerk. Uh, I I like to to bang their music all the time in my headphones. If I'm listening to something, there's a good chance these days that it is Kraftwerk. And I came away from this festival with a brilliant idea to start a Kraftwerk cover band. So if anyone listening to this has this idea, do not steal it. This is copyright Daniel Bloom. I'm going to call it Kraftwerk, spelled C-R-A-F-T-W-O-R-K. And we're gonna do covers, and we're gonna do originals, and one song that we will absolutely be playing is "The Robots." We are the robots. We are the robots. We are the robots.
3: We are the
1: robots. Boom, 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 boom. I, I thought that was a perfectly iconic song for the festival because it was so much about music and technology, and it's funky and it's rhythmic, and that is the song with which Kraftwerk opens their show. And, I, and from the show,
3: I learned that there were definitely some samples that uh, I, I, I recognize some uh, some music in there or some uh, some production because I realized that rappers have been taking from this for a good while so I was like all right cool cool I hear you Jay-Z sunshine
1: I hear that up in there absolutely <laughs> I, I hear all that stuff absolutely so I thought that was that was a lot of fun do you want to talk a little bit more about that first night because I believe we went and saw Jimmy Edgar we saw Jimmy Edgar that first night, a brilliant DJ who at performed at the Music Hall of Asheville, right? And that was it was a venue that we hadn't planned on even going to. Yeah. And we just kind of poked our heads in. And we were like, "Whoa." Well, we we poked our
3: heads in because from the street
1: it sounded like something
3: positive was going on in mm-hmm. there. Uh something some positive melodic situations were, were being <laughs> created. And we went in there and within the first 10 minutes, first of all, first of all, beers were 250, you know what I'm saying? Nice D- move. That's that's crazy if you're in DC. Right. <laughs> but I, after I heard "Any Time, Any Place" by Janet Jackson, you know what I'm saying? In the middle of all, in the middle of great uh, of great sounds, and he just dropped that on me. I I I lost it.
0: Stop, just-
1: He played Pony, too. He did. He did. He did. Jimmy Edgar. He played Pony. I'm saying, these are our peers. They're going
3: to They're going to really appease.
1: Get really <laughs> so we enjoyed Jimmy Edgar. We also got a chance to see uh, Yacht. Yes. Yes. At, at a place called New Earth. Yes. Very interesting, very innovative show. Absolutely. We saw Green Velvet later that night as well in the basement of the U.S. Cellular Center, but back to Yacht. Yes. Yacht started their set with this really cool disclaimer. Yes. About, you know, like, please take as much flash photography as you want and do not look <laughs> the rhythm section in the eyes. And I did it. I did it. That was fun. That was really fun. And they're... Not just musicians, but they truly are performers in in the true sense of the word because they put on a great show. They laid their attitude out across the crowd, and they let you kind of know, like, this is going to be an interesting show. We're going to be kind of in this together, so get comfortable. The because, energy was
3: palpable. Yeah,
1: very much so. So Yacht is fronted by Claire Evans and Jonna Beckholt. These are the two main creative forces behind the group. And we saw them I believe it was midnight the very first night yes and they were also our first scheduled interview of the festival and that took place about 12 hours later upstairs in the media lounge next to the Moog music factory tell the audience a bit about the room in which
3: we did this interview so there was a bunch of interviews going on upstairs in the media lounge and since we're a lot of them are were like print and bloggers so since we are a podcast audio we value uh we, or we need quiet rooms we do in, in order for this to be a, a pleasuring experience for you all we need quiet rooms shout out publicists if you're listening we need quiet rooms it's
1: often a difficult task it because is we're
3: doing these in green rooms and wherever so it's it's always an interesting challenge exactly and so uh Clark us to go into, I can't, what was the room that we were put in upstairs, right next to the studio?
1: Right. I think it was uh, a room specifically for a bunch of Moog synthesizer yes. hardware. Yes. So yeah. it was next to like a recording studio console.
3: And it had two, it
1: had double doors. Yeah. So clearly it was,
3: it, there was a purpose for trying to contain sound. Right. Which is perfect. So we got, we were all, the, all up in there, uh,
1: squinched in and having a very powerful conversation about- Their music. We talked about, about their backgrounds, their philosophies. <laughs> And we talk to them about their name. My name's Jonna. Just
0: a couple of strangers.
1: And this Uh is my stranger.
0: (laughs) My name is Claire.
1: And together we make something called Yacht. Yacht. Now, let's just be clear. This is yacht in all capitals. Yes. Yes. It's an acronym. Oh, I know. I know all about the acronym. Young Americans Challenging High Technology. Yes. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, so do we. It seems to be a pervasive part of modern life. So we might as well... Someone might as well challenge it, so I thank you for taking up that mantle. Yeah, of course, we always think of challenging in the sense of like, not a Luddite, you know, not throwing a wrench in the machine, but um, chall- having discourse with technology, not letting it dictate how we use it, you know? Mm-hmm. Using it wrong on Misusing technology is a big thing that we do, like we do a lot of video animations in Keynote, and we like, make images and video software, and you know, we like to bend it around.
0: We it's use spreadsheets to sort of write all of our songs, <laughs> is what we're saying. A word? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, we use word prefer pages InDesign <laughs> love
3: InDesign yeah. oh honestly God. InDesign is number one <laughs> in yeah, our hearts band
1: is like 99% InDesign 1% inspiration
0: yeah. <laughs> we don't need
1: Now, you had told me before this interview even happened that they had done a collaboration with Mark Marin. Yes. Come to find out, it's that awesome song that they performed that night called Party at the NSA, which is a great kind of satirical poke at the NSA and all the new uh, news that's come out, the revelations thanks to the Edward Snowden leaks and all the blowback from uh, from their tapping the phones and the metadata of all the... All of our phones. I heard Snowden was on xylophone, <laughs> melodica. Actually, <laughs> uh, but I went back and and uh, and got the song, and and there it was for all, for all of you wonderful folks. Yes, Mark Marin, our former guest of this program, on the guitar solo, nicely done, Mr. Marin. NSA. Listening to Madcap. I'm Daniel Bloom alongside David Ross, and you're listening to our 2014 fest review show. As soon as we exited the interview with Yacht, we came out onto the street, and who was playing? None other than
0: Egyptian Lover.
1: Egyptian Lover.
3: Yes. Yes. Yes, Egyptian Lover was making the ground vibrate, but yeah, there was this. Was, it was still daytime. There was a crowd, and he was an Egyptian in Egyptian, and and the also Greg Broussard and uh, Jamie Jupiter were were standing at the microphones, and they were like, "I you. like also <laughs> sort of stuff like like it, it was, and they were, it was, it was wild. And for somebody who has, I first got introduced to Egyptian Lover by. Uh, my very good friend Adam Butler, also known as DJ Ada, he he, he found the, he found the album somewhere uh, or purchased the album somewhere in Tampa, and when I heard when I heard that album and heard one particular song, "Whisper in Your Ear," it whispered in my ear and I was moved. <laughs> I was moved completely.
1: Absolutely, and th- that was our next interview of Moogfest. Fest. Yes, we went over to the Renaissance, and this is pure hustle on your part, by the way. I have to give you full credit for this one. Because somehow you are Facebook friends with Egyptian Lover from years and years ago. Because I'm a groupie. I'm basically a groupie. Well, it was it paid <laughs> off in this case. So we go over. You arranged this on Facebook. We go, we go over to the Renaissance Hotel, and here's Jamie Jupiter, the hype man, Brian E, whose name is Brian Ellis, and you know the, the, they're like the backup group for Egyptian Lover and the Egyptian Lover himself, all sitting down for brunch. Exactly. And they were great. They were gracious enough to allow us to sit there while they snacked on whatever they were eating delicious pastrami sandwich in the case of Egyptian lover and <laughs> talk to them for you know over a half an hour i thought that was incredibly generous of them and i really enjoyed the conversation yes
3: One of my last questions, since since we brought up "Whisper in Your Ear," I in detail how is this made?
1: <laughs>
4: whisper in Your Ear. Wow. I love you. <laughs> Here I am. That song came up. Wow, playing around. I Messing guess around on, on yeah, piano. Yeah, and- just finished um, a fast a fast song, and we were just playing around the piano, and um. We started, I started just saying something like, let me whisper in your ear And I said, oh, I'm going to do a song like that And we kind of played around and did that But we did, I cried night after night before that So I already had that style of doing a slow batter Kind of rap song But then I said, let me just do something I can have And play for some women in the car or something like that So I did it and it came out pretty good And I was playing around with Jamie in the studio And like, he said it was great like, alright, let's put on the album then I ain't going to have it just for Because I had like a 30 minute instrumental version of it And all that kind of for the women and all that I think it came from actually Purple Rain. when he did the love scene with the instrumental music playing. I said I'm gonna give me I'm gonna do a song, 30 minutes, you know, just instrumental, I like that. said shortly afterwards, LL came out with his? After the first song, um, I Cry Night After Night. That's when, um, after that, LL came out with his. Bobcat was actually the one who heard my song and went and did that one. I Need Love.
1: All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. I love you. Love you too, buddy. So the next <laughs> interview that we did was with our old buddies, former guests of this program, Zeds Dead. Yes. Zach and Dylan, DC. DC and- Hooks and DC. Hooks and DC. We want to make sure we get that right. Another pure hustle job by David Ross, because we went through the good folks at Magnum PR. They themselves were having trouble reaching the management of Zed's Dead. David worked the back channels like a pro and was able to nab us the confirmation for an interview, but there were still a lot of loose ends that needed to be tied up in order for this to actually happen. So we went down, we left the MIA show. Yes, which was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was probably the most crowded show. I'm telling you, man, when I came back down from the media lounge, I was like, what the hell is this? This and is crazy. We bigfooted the hell out of that line. That yeah. was good. Yeah. So there was did. a huge line out the front door. So I'm like, let's go into the basement. Which is totally legal. Going through the basement, then went up the ramp, and then there was a big line of people waiting to get in because they are they take the the attendance thing seriously. They they can't go over capacity because the fire marshal will shut down the show. We straight walked right by the line, walked right up to the security guy, and we're like, "We got to go to the media lounge." I know you like that line. Yes, yes, I loved it. That worked like gangbusters. (laughs) We we got the media passes. Boom. Get us right in there. Mia was great, tons of energy. People were going wild. Then we decide we're going to go down and we're going to get ready for the Zeds Dead interview. Yes. So we go down there. We're listening to Zeds Dead. They are killing it as always. Just you know, rampaging the main streets of Asheville with the crazy bass jams, mm-hmm. some new stuff that we hadn't heard yet. Mm-hmm. Near the end of the set, David looks at me and he's like, "Let's just go up front because this may be our opportunity."
3: We talked to, Z- to Zach and Dylan in under the tent. Behind the stage, yeah, right there. Because because we had, I mean that, that was that was the only place we could conduct the interview. And have
1: we not done it right there, right then, it wouldn't have happened. No, it would not have. It would not have. Because- and even though this was our second time having Zed dead on the show, yes. I was not able to be present the first time we did the interview. Nor was I able to go to the Mad Decent block party where you got some interviews and got to hang out with them again. Yes. So even though I feel like I know these guys, this is the first time I ever actually got to meet them. Yes. Which was a
5: lot of fun. <laughs> Technically I guess it's like our our second single from the EP, uh, Hadouken, which we dropped a couple weeks ago, being the first, but we weren't really trying to make a big deal about the EP at the time, but... Question. Was that taken from a video game? Well, I mean, Hadouken is from Street Fighter. Okay, just making sure, clarifying. (laughs) There's nothing, like, in the song that says Hadouken, it's just, it, <laughs> no, it kind of wow. just, it, <laughs> it yeah, actually was that. at one point, but we took it out, we thought it'd be cooler to use a vocal. I think it just kind of encompasses the energy of the song, like, I wanted to do a video for it where it's, like, right at the drop, you see, like, a slow motion Ryu fucking Hadouken blast off, but, I mean, I don't know if we'll end up doing a video for that. You probably would have had to pay Capcom if you wouldn't have kept that sample in, that's probably that's, why. That's
0: pretty much why we had to take it
1: out. Yeah. They were smart they just let you use it for free they could have like rebooted street fighter and been like bam
5: hadouken street fighter never really left though (laughs) some people some people were like why is it called hadouken i was waiting for the street fighter sample yeah people were getting frustrated Are your
1: families cool with each other, and do they ever come see you play? Definitely.
5: Actually, uh, our, our, our fathers are pretty good friends. They hang out from time to time. I bet they high-five like a
0: motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> they, call, they call each other Zed's Dads, and they actually, they had, yes. they had shirts made that says Zed's Dad. Are they on
5: like yeah. Instagram or Twitter or whatever? <laughs> no, but they should. And, like, it's funny, like, I don't know. We actually had this idea, like, we were going to use them for a video where we go into the future and, like, they're us. And it would, like, work so well because, like, I don't know, your dad looks more like an older version of you than I think my dad does. But, like, if you picture it, it's, like, it's totally apt.
1: (laughs) That song is Hadouken. Inspired by the game Street Fighter later that night now. This was a big day for us remember We started this day with Egyptian lover at noon (laughs) then we'd seen shows all day Then at 11 o'clock we get Zed's dead behind the main stage And then we had another interview scheduled for later that night 1230 with this great disco band called Escort
0: stand up stand up Bang your drum
1: Adeline Michelle is the lead singer who we spoke to. Not only is she very talented and a great singer, but she is drop dead gorgeous. Yes, she is. So it was a real pleasure. Where's she from again? She's from France, from Paris. It was a great pleasure to be able to speak with her. This was our most hectic interview, and it was our loudest interview because we did it backstage at the Asheville Music Hall.
3: Chic is one of my favorite bands. You know, they they play tonight. It's just such an honor to know that I'm on the same festival with them. It's like. Huge and Niall, if you hear us, uh, let's do something.
1: I was gonna bring that up, because we were in attendance at that Chic show.
3: How was it? We, we didn't get to see it. I mean, I
1: don't wanna make you jealous, but of course it was absolutely oh, phenomenal. i
3: not jealous. But the
1: great part is, I was there listening to this classic disco band playing all these beautiful hits, and then we step into this venue, the vibe is equally buoyant, And here are these new disco songs proving, if anybody doubted it, disco never died, it's still here.
3: Thank you, that is the best compliment ever. And no, disco never died because um, people want to dance and you hear that right now in the club, you play that anywhere. Good music in general will never die, so it doesn't matter what what style you're doing, if it's good, people will like it, somebody will like it. And disco has never
0: been, it's never been dead, It, it, it never went anywhere.
1: That's the song "Barbarians." How charming is Adeline Michelle?
3: She was, uh, she was, she was very charming. That's a heart stealer, right?
1: There. <laughs> very charming,
3: undoubtedly. I was trying to show my dimples like a motherfucker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wise man, I know you ended up going out and gallivanting with Maya's sister Nina and her boyfriend Charles later that night. Yes, I did. That will be for the special collector's edition of <laughs> Madcap. But uh, that, that, that was a great night. But we were not quite done yet. The next morning, we actually woke up and did another interview. It seemed like Saturday night was this huge blowout, and how can we possibly, you know, actually continue to do more work after this? But we woke up on Sunday. We had an interview booked with the great Dan Deacon. Well, I mean, you mentioned Occupy, and I know you performed at Occupy Wall Street. Um, What impact do you think that can have in terms of, If not having a lasting impact as far as organizationally, at least being an inspiration that there is a breath of fresh air still possible in this society.
0: I think, you know, great to see so many people realizing that it's a rigged game and that shit's fucked. And most importantly, that we are a part of it, that you can't just like be like, I hate this system, that like there is no system without people within it. And something's going to have to change I don't know if it's gonna like get to the point where like I don't you get like a infection on your finger and you hope it goes away and then it doesn't you have to take care of it or if you don't you have to cut off your whole hand once that comfort turns into discomfort and that turns into pain I think that's when things are gonna change and unfortunately I think that's gonna be a really awful change unless people start embracing like oh I do need to realize that I'm a part of this system and I can actively change that, do you know what I mean? Like all of these studies coming out being like, well, the United States is obviously an oligarchy. There's no way it's a democracy. Um, pack the bong, let's do it. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, it's more and more just like, are we gonna just read that and be like, oh, bummer, oh, what's this clickbait like? I can't believe they wore that there, that's crazy. I think the next coming decades are gonna be really, uh, a horrifyingly interesting
1: USA 3 Rail from Dan Deacon's album America I love how political he is I love how intelligent he is thoughtful and he spent a good long time with us gotta extend out big thank you big appreciation to Dan Deacon Absolutely. So listeners, be sure to keep an ear out for these interviews, which will be hitting our SoundCloud page in the form of Madcap episodes in the coming weeks. Thanks to the Mountain View Restaurant on I-81. If you're ever there, please do stop in. Try the pie. It's delicious. Thanks to the Downtown Inn. Thanks to the Downtown Inn. And it's breakfast. Oh, yeah. The Downtown Inn & Suites provides complimentary continental breakfast. From that is 7 to noon. Not too bad. No. The nice hours treated us very well. Thanks to all the folks at Magnum PR, Susie, Clark, Ally, Amanda. Thank you, Emmy Parker. You are the main reason that we even made our way down to Asheville, North Carolina. We are exceedingly grateful and believe you will be hearing from us again next year because now we're hooked. Yeah, yeah. You can't get rid of us. Yeah, this thing was absolutely <laughs> phenomenal.
3: Check out the latest and greatest at madcapdc.org. We are on Facebook and Twitter at MadcapDC.